You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Greetings. Welcome back to another episode of The Worship Review. My name is Colin. I'm a history professor at a university in the Midwest of the United States, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tyler. I am a linguist, PhD student, and a former worship leader. Yeah. What we do in this podcast is evaluate songs typically that are sung in the church, although for this third series of the podcast, we're looking at songs from the top countries that listen to this podcast, and these may be songs that are sung in the church, in some cases they aren't, but just the top kind of gospel Christian radio song that's getting airplay, that's getting hits, that's getting views, however it is that music is, you know, music popularity is accounted for these days. But either way, we're just evaluating those songs, asking some simple questions. What's the song about? What happens in the song as far as the lyrical content? Is the song coherent? And then we give a a final rating to the song, something out of five. Five what's, we don't say uh, until the very end, and it's always a surprise both to us and to the audience, and hilarity usually ensues. And today, we are on the third episode. So we've done the United States, top country that listens to us, the country that listens to us the second most was the United Kingdom, and now we are on the country of Nigeria. Arise, O compatriots, Nigeria's call obey, to serve our fatherland. Oh, is it not this song, Colin? This is the national anthem of Nigeria. not the national anthem of Nigeria. My bad. It is, in fact, the song, You Are Mighty by Nathaniel Bassey. All over I think Nathaniel Bassey is the author of this song, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's the big. Uh, he's got the biggest name. I think he's got yeah. the pull on all the people and yeah. the best trumpet solo you're ever going to hear. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, listening to the song and watching the video, in the video he's just like holding this trumpet for a long time. And initially, as I was watching this video, I thought, okay, my rating is going to be unnecessary trumpets. But then eventually he, he breaks out the trumpet and starts playing a solo over yeah. the top of some some chanting. Yeah. To be fair, trumpets are often unnecessary, <laughs> but sorry to all the trumpet players out there. Fun was, facts about Nigeria, yeah, please. Colin. Yeah. Uh, there are more than 500 spoken languages in Nigeria. That's incredible. So not dead languages, not just written languages or things that have survived, but, but communities, there are more than 500 communities where a language can be spoken that is unintelligible to another language. That's a lot of linguistic diversity in that country. Especially in the rural parts. But here's my second fun fact, Colin. There are 210 million people in Nigeria. What? (laughs) Yeah. It accounts for, I think, 13% of the population of Africa on its own. Whoa! Nigeria is huge. And there's a fertility rate of five children per woman. Whoa! So it is populous and rapidly growing. Yes. In fact, 
from 1990 to 2008, only 18 years, the population increased by 60%, 60%. They wow. are exploding. Um, in 70 years, so from 1950 to 2017, roughly 70 years, Lagos, a coastal town, one of the biggest ports mm. in Africa, grew from 300,000 people to 13.4 million people. And yeah. it's uh, it's very diverse linguistically, as you said, but it's also split almost evenly between Muslims and Christians in terms okay. of religion. So in the north, predominantly, uh, the Muslims live, and in the west and elsewhere, uh, Christians permeate. But mm-hmm. it's 53% Muslim, 46% Christian, and then less than 1% traditional religions. Okay. So a very diverse country, very big country. Um, wow. But, you know, I have to say, my understanding of countries like Nigeria is that there is a growing enthusiasm for the gospel in in Nigeria. And so it's encouraging to hear that the birth rate is so high, right? Yeah. Because presumably many of these children are being born into Christian families. They're being exposed to the gospel. So the song is in English and in Yoruba. Okay. Uh, so that's one of these languages. It's sort of a common language. And we said early on that we were going to talk about songs that are in English so that yeah. we don't have to run things through Google Translate. While that's true, and I'm not going to go back on that, uh, there's a lot of nuance here that I was not ready for. Really? So with with songs that have what, – what if a song is 95% English and then 5% another language? Am I going to cut it off? No. So yeah. we have some translations available to us actually by the official music video itself. Yeah. It gives translations of the things said. So I feel confident yeah. evaluating those things even though I don't speak Yoruba. Yeah, and that presumably is the intended translation, right? We can assume that that's going to be the... Yeah, unless yeah. there's some right. you know, mad sense in which you would just mess with non-Yoruba speakers by putting false subtitles in, but that would be weird. So, Tyler, this song, You Are Mighty, what? how would you sort of summarize the main sort of message or main things that are happening in the song? A lot of this song is simply, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, it is exclusively dedicated to praising these attributes of God, mm-hmm. like his might, his power, his goodness, his kindness, and reflecting in a sincere way upon the inability of the <laughs> right. singer to even respond to this right. in, uh, in human language. Yeah, it's, it's this weird paradox in the song where the song is proclaiming things about God and his attributes, and at the same time sort of saying, I even can't quite do this. Yes. Yeah, so I like that sentiment a lot, personally. And then there's a lot of discussion, not just of his might, but of God's faithfulness. Yeah. So um, some of these asides that we'll look into later really, in plain language, illuminate what is meant by a phrase like, God is faithful, yeah. or... God keeps covenant or something like mm-hmm. that, which sounds kind of formulaic and um, archaic even. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see this spelled out in the way that it is. And then the, the final, I would say about third of this song is, uh, well, it says on the video chant. Yeah. And there's a woman chanting. And actually... If we can trust this user on YouTube who commented, mm-hmm. we have a translation of those chants too. And I will uh, say, 
you will be surprised okay. by how good they are. I haven't seen this. I'm going to so. be excited when we get to that that final third. But the first part of the song starts with a verse. You are cool. You are kind. You are more than these. Lost for words. Trying to describe you. Elohim. Elohim. You are good, you are kind, you are more than these. I'm lost for words trying to describe you. Elohim, Elion, Elasi, Louis, your greatness is all I see. There is nothing you cannot do, there's no mountain you cannot move. Okay, so to begin with this assertion, we are we are addressing someone other than ourselves with this pronoun mm-hmm. "you," and uh, we learn that this this other person, who we later learn is God, God is good, and this is obviously biblical. Uh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good; mm-hmm. His steadfast love endures forever. He is kind, so kindness and mercy often go mm-hmm. hand in hand when we're talking about God. But He is not just these things; He is more than this. Yeah. And then as soon as the author starts to approach these boundaries where something is more mm-hmm. than this, he he kind of backs off and says, <laughs> I'm lost for words trying to describe you. And this brought to mind Psalm 139. Yeah. Um, how precious to me are your thoughts of God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Yeah. Um, and then later on... Um, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. Yeah. I cannot attain it. So uh, David in that psalm is remarking on God's thoughts and how great mm-hmm. they are, how much bigger they are than him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a similar sentiment here when we're reflecting on God's attributes. Um, there are some kind of handholds we have, like his goodness, his faithfulness, his mm-hmm. mercy, but he is above. He is over that. He is um, more than just that. Uh, and then... With the Elohim Elion Alese Lewi, um, I have a translation of Alese Lewi as he who does what he has said. Right, that's what I've got too. I find that to be one of the best definitions yes. of faithfulness mm-hmm. in plain language that I have ever heard, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, to say someone is faithful, it's a word that's not invoked much in my lexicon, in most regular people's usage. We don't talk about things being faithful that aren't God. And so sometimes we need language to give that idea shape. And that's really what a definition should do. And so to say, you know, Colin is the type of man who does not do what he says is to say he's an unreliable man or he's, he's, um, what, what is it? His eyes are bigger than his stomach yeah, or something sure. like that. Yeah. He's not reliable. He may be not trustworthy. If it's yeah. intentional, then yeah, he's malicious sure. even. Um, but we have this uh, statement that God is he who does what he has said. Um, and we have scriptural precedent for this as well. So in Isaiah 46, God says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Mm -hmm. So when God declares a purpose, it comes to pass without fail. Um, These titles, 
that God has given here. Uh, these are, well, these are English titles, but they're clearly drawn from Hebrew, yeah. where Elohim is the most common word used for God yeah. when we're not using his personal name. Right. Um, interesting that it originally had a grammatically plural yes. uh, ending, yes. even though most of the time when it's used in the Hebrew Bible, it has singular right. verbal endings. Um, and then Elyon just is another, it's a, it's a descriptor of God used in place of uh, the noun God or the name God. So most high, yeah. it could be El Elyon, God most high, mm -hmm. which we also see throughout scripture. Yeah. So it's interesting too, just uh, to add to what you've said, that this idea of he who does what he has said is really opening up in the song, this idea of faithfulness, which the song keeps coming back to, right? So there's this, it gives this definition. It's almost like a, a, a high school essay, which is like the dictionary begins with, you know, the dictionary <laughs> describes blah, 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 as blah, 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 blah. It gives a definition and then, you know, that's kind of the introduction and then it kind of, the essay would go back to that. And I'm not, that's not to belittle this song. It's, it's actually a good thing. It's, it's not a bad thing to do. It sets out the terms right away. This is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm so amazed at who God is that I can barely describe it. And in particular, I'm amazed at how faithful he is. Mm -hmm. So it's just a nice way right away to say, and that faithfulness is the fact that he does what he says. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. He's a God who keeps covenant for yeah. a thousand generations. Right. 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 And he then says, your greatness is all I see. There's nothing you cannot do. There's no mountain you cannot move. So in addition to God being faithful, God is also able to do anything. And he uses the very common and biblical idea of moving mountains, sort of common cliche almost in a lot of music. Yeah. I have to say, whenever mountains moving comes into uh, a song... The hair on the back of my neck stands up a little bit because I've seen it mishandled a lot. Yeah. But in this case, it's meant to illustrate the sentiment preceding it, that there's nothing he cannot do. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not left out there on its own. It's, no. it's, just, it's just digging in a little bit to what he says. He makes a general statement, there's nothing you cannot do, and then kind of defines it in a more practical way. For example, mm -hmm. There's no mountain you couldn't move. Like if there was a mountain, you could move it if you wanted to. Right. Because we have uh, statements from Christ in the Gospels that talk about human faith. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the faith that is given to humans from God being capable of moving mountains. But when we're talking about God, first of all, we can infer that there's no mountain he cannot move because he is the creator of heaven and earth. Yeah. So they, they are his to command. I was curious what was meant by your greatness is all I see. And I was wondering, mm. is is there a sense, does he mean this in the sense that when I see things, I see your greatness inherent in it? Like when I see a child, I see mm. um, your glory in creation. When I see, you know, uh, the Grand Canyon and I'm floored by its majesty, am I seeing God's greatness? I, I'm not entirely sure what, what that sentiment means. If you didn't see anything in an idolatrous way, 
and you only saw things through eyes of gratitude and understanding God's as creator and redeemer and all if you if you understood God more fully and saw the world through those eyes it probably would be the case that you would see God's greatness in everything even in things that are hard mm-hmm. you would sort of have the perspective and so presumably even when we are um when we are in the new heavens and the new earth that presumably this is the way we'll see things, right? Because it's not like we're going to be ignorant of all of the bad things that happened. We'll just be able to see God's goodness and greatness in them all. Clearly in our sinful state, we it's not the case that God's greatness is all that we see, but maybe he's anticipating that in some way. Mm-hmm. That seems like the most charitable way to see this and maybe realistic way to see this. Yeah, it would be better, in my opinion, with a preposition like in, yeah. greatness is in all that I see or something like that. Mm-hmm. In any event, he's he is calling to the mind of the singer the notion that God's greatness is in the same way that his kindness and his goodness were above yeah. description. Yeah. I think he's also doing the same thing with his greatness. Yeah. And is kind of totalizing. God's presence is everywhere, God's goodness is everywhere. God's greatness is everywhere. So it's, it's yeah, I th- it, it just complements what you've said, I think. Psalm 104 describes God's greatness. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. So we have all of these mm-hmm. massive elements and the heavens and the waters and and God is expansive and in glory. He is expansive in glory. There is nothing you cannot do. There's no mountain you cannot move. If you have said it Okay, and then we get this kind of uh, pre-chorus. If you have said it, then you will do it because you have a track record of keeping your word and you're not about to stop doing it now. A unique way of of <laughs> augmenting this idea of God being faithful. Yeah. But nevertheless, a true statement, I would say. Absolutely. It borders a little bit on the trite when sure. talking about God because... As we've seen in the past, when we use these turns of phrase, sometimes they come across as being irreverent or something like that. That's not what's going on here, though. He's just, it's a turn of phrase. A track record is um, someone's reputation. So if we say, you have a track record of keeping your word, again, we're talking about his faithfulness and his reputation as Mm -hmm. well for being faithful. Um, And... Once again, riffing on this idea that he is he who does what he has said. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, there's evidence of it in the past. Yeah. The idea of a track record, like it, this has happened before and you were perfect when you did it. Mm-hmm. God. And Psalm 106 
describes this as well. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity, referring to Israel. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So in his mercy, God remembers, uh, in a sense, his own word mm-hmm. and dis- and keeps his word yep. always. Yep. It, that's When I say remembers, it's not, I'm, I'm using that in... Um, the same sense that the psalmist here is in in Psalm 106. It is not that God forgot His word. Yeah, it's it's meant to give human language to uh, the idea that God is faithful. He keeps His word, yeah. and when it is relevant, He will intervene. Yeah, it's also, by the way, a subtle way to say that God is king, because in a monarchical society where there's not a kind of public law that binds everybody, it's the king's word that makes law. And so a king would be a bad king if he said one thing in the past and then did something later that totally contradicted that thing. So it's a way of signaling God is honor-bound by his own word. He is an honorable king. And when he has said something in the past, when he's done something in the past, that gives people a clear sense of how he's going to act in the future, and he's going to act in accordance with that, just like a good king would, although God, of course, is perfect in the way that he does this. And because he's perfectly good, perfectly just, and perfectly faithful, to be bound by his own word is not really a limitation. Exactly. It's an attribute of his character. Exactly. Well, of course I am the one who does what I say. I am perfectly just. I am perfectly honest. Yeah. So. Good. Okay, so yeah, and there's a lot of scriptural backup for this idea as well of God doing what he says. So we've got Joshua 21, 45, not one of the good promises, which the Lord has made to the house of Israel failed, all came to pass. So we see even fairly early on in Israel's history, they're already reminding themselves that God's track record has been perfect. Yeah. And so they can trust what he's saying to them about conquering the promised land. First Kings eight, verse 56 Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he promised through Moses, his servant. So again, uh, in the monarchical period now, Israel is recalling promises kept all the way back to Moses as well. So here's Second Corinthians verse second here's Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty. For as many as are the promises of God in him, in Christ, they are yes, therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So God has in Christ fulfilled even greater promises, and um, he's even fulfilling those promises through us, Hmm. right? We're we're being brought in to the promise-keeping of God, like he actually uses us to keep his promises. Or Romans... 421, being fully assured that what God has promised, he was able also to perform. So scripture is also expansive on the notion of God saying things and then fulfilling them. Mm -hmm. So it's right and good that Bassey would emphasize this quite a bit in song. That's really keeping in line with scripture. Mm Oh, 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 oh.
All right, so then we get to the chorus. God of the universe, you are mighty. God of the universe, you are mighty. You are the one who is wrapped with clouds. You are the one who is wrapped with clouds. God of the universe, you are mighty. Mm-hmm. I like even just this opening statement that God is uh, unlike unlike any other supposed God that peoples could have. This one governs the entire universe, mm-hmm. and he is mighty uh, because of that. What do you make of this language of being wrapped in the clouds? So this is curious. I So remember Psalm 104 that I uh, referenced earlier yes. where he stretches out the heavens like a tent? Uh-huh. Um, I thought perhaps that might be what was meant so that like the clouds are in a sense, um, they are in a sense images of his majesty. Mm-hmm. But I, I think probably what is closer to what is meant is in the beginning of Revelation, when we get this image of the second coming of Christ, um, and John writes, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. But again, if this is about if this is about Christ and his second coming, how does it tie into the rest of the song, which is just about God's majesty and faithfulness? Yeah. I mean, it, it could be that. It, I thought of a couple of other possibilities— one is a scriptural reference directly, and one is a uh, an image. So the direct scriptural reference is Psalm 97, verse 2, which says, Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So you have a reference in scripture which talks about clouds. What if this is the pillar of cloud? Yeah, that's the second place yeah. I was going. The other the other possibility, and this would make sense too because... That's him leading his people. Exactly, right. So you have God, um, God's presence being a pillar of cloud during the day when the people are marching, right? Because yeah. he's there as a, as a fire at night while they're camped and protecting them and giving them light. And then when they're moving during the day, there's the... There's the pillar of cloud mm-hmm. that signals his presence and then also sort of shows them um, where to go. So that, to me, is probably the most likely explanation of what this is. But, you know, it, it just—the line only says, you are the one who is wrapped with clouds. So, you know, you could say that it's an—and if we think of the song's theme of faithfulness, you know, this is— this is a reference to God's faithfulness because God faithfully led his people through mm-hmm. the wilderness, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's God being present, you know, being a presence as a pillar of cloud with his people in a desert wilderness is a sign of his faithfulness. Right. And, and Moses even says, he's rebuking Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says... God went before you on the journey in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And so God's presence was in that cloud as well. He was wrapped in that cloud. And this also, I think, ties similar to what you've said, Colin, into the idea of God proclaiming something and then doing it. Because mm-hmm. if, if you were born into slavery as a Jew in Egypt, and for generations your ancestors had been enslaved by this people, and— some guy said to you, hey, look, God spoke to me, and we're going to get our own kingdom. 
yeah. and all this land. Right. You'd be like, this is laugh like just like Sarah, you would laugh. You'd be right. like, this is laughable. But God's wisdom and God's plan, um, we also know from the New Testament, God's wisdom is foolishness to the world. So it sounds yeah. absurd. Yeah. But God, when he says something, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. have, we have to cross a desert. Okay, right. I made the desert. Yeah. I have to talk to Pharaoh. Okay, I appointed Pharaoh. Like yeah. it, it, <laughs> right. You're playing a different game right. here. It's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who can change the rules right. of the game at right. will. Exactly. So, which, to be, by the way, that is a terrible thing if... You ever yes, playing Monopoly with someone? Stop playing Monopoly with that person. If the banker gets a stipend yes. or something like that, it, it, I mean, come yes. on, what is this? Yes. Wall Street? I mean, yeah. let's be frank. <laughs> Although, to be fair, that's kind of maybe a more accurate way to play the game, right? The <laughs> yeah. banker gets to take a little bit of extra, you know, under, you know without uh, letting other people know. Uh, we would need a little printing machine, wouldn't we? Yeah, that that's game? true. A little printing press. <laughs> yeah. By the blood that you shed, we have overcome. Then you gave us the right to your holy name, yeah. the center of power and strength. There is nothing you cannot change, Baba. There is no bondage you cannot break. If you have said it, then you will do it. By the blood that you have shed, we have overcome, discharged, and acquitted for life, then you gave us the right to your holy name, the scepter of power and strength. There is nothing you cannot change. There is no bondage you cannot break. Wow. Oh, also, by the way, after there is nothing you cannot change, yes, he baba. says Baba, which means Father <laughs> oh. in Yoruba. So I like that a lot. Just this little spontaneous yeah. interjection. At least... No, let me let me caveat that. I don't speak Yoruba. Google Translate told me that Baba means father uh-huh. in um in Yoruba. But yeah, I love this opening. By the blood that you shed, we have overcome. In contrast to any sacrifices that we yeah. could make. He's not pleased with the sacrifices right. that we could try and offer. Mm-hmm. And he notes that there was some kind of uh debt that we owed, right? Cuz yeah. it, it was something was discharged and we were also acquitted. So yes. legal language, right? So we're he, this is an, uh, a simple way of getting to a more deeper legal situation that we have with penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. So he's he's I mean again he's not he's not saying a lot about penal substitutionary atonement, but he is getting right. to that area. And this is a this is a beautiful idea for us to let's talk a little bit about what acquitted means. Yeah. By the way, so if someone is accused of a crime, it goes to court. The charges are presented, and let's say it's a jury trial. Uh, the jury finds him not guilty, so he's acquitted yeah. of that crime. Yeah. He was found not guilty of that crime. So miraculously, we who are by nature and by choice guilty are found not guilty, yeah. not by our blood, not by our labor, not by our works, not by our righteousness, but only by yeah. the blood that God shed. Um, Hebrews 9 says this really, really well. I'm sure— uh, you thought of this too, Colin. Um, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all 
into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works mm. to serve the living God? Yeah, that's good. Can I nitpick one little thing? In the, Can I guess the, what it is? Go ahead. Is it for life? No. Oh, okay. Because I wanted him to say forever, but fine. Um, what was yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that's actually true. That would be a nitpick too, a legitimate nitpick. My nitpick is, is that he's saying you by the blood that you shed. Yep. And previous to this, he's not been speaking about the second person of the Trinity. Yeah. He So, you know, it's to- what he's saying is totally accurate about Christ, but there is a little bit of a shift. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just... It's just a little sloppy, that's all, right? It's a little bit sloppy because God wasn't the one, or Christ wasn't the one who was wrapped in a cloud in the desert of Sinai, right? In the wilderness of Sinai. Um, So, you know, that is is a small nitpick. But I was was grateful when someone came up to me when I was a young Christian and said, you know, I notice in your prayers that you just kind of shift between talking about God the Father and God the Son without really making that clear, like you'll, you'll say, Father, thank you for shedding your blood on the cross or something like, like, and they pointed that out to me and I was like, oh my goodness, that means I've not really been thinking about what I've been saying. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's just a small, small little nitpick here is that, um, there's been a slight shift of subject, right? And in the Trinity, in a Trinitarian conception of God, that matters. Sure. No, I don't dispute it. What I will ask though, is that does shed have to be the one oh, whose blood God. is lost? So that's yeah, true. Could be by, speaking about the yes by sure. the blood that Christ shed, we have overcome. That would be the blood that Christ, you know, yes. lost. Yes, but what going. if what if God the Father shed the yes. blood of the Son? Right. Then it, that would still be the blood of the Son would still be blood that God the Father yeah, shed. That's true. So I don't think that's what he's saying, though. I do think <laughs> I do think it's the first one. But <laughs> yes. Enough. Okay. Then even in addition to having Christ blood shed for us and being acquitted, we get something else according to the song. Then you gave us the right to your holy name, the scepter of power and strength. Okay. So here we might be tempted to say this is going too far, right? If I give you the right to my name, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. saying perhaps, perhaps I might be saying you can go by my name. Right. Like if I, if I, you can use my credit cards, you can have that, right. That's a big, that's a big deal to give someone the right to your name, right. Your identity almost in many respects. Yeah. And so I wonder if, um, but, but remarkably there is a sense, I, I don't have this prepared in my notes, but remarkably there is a sense in which this is true for the Christian in that we can approach God through Christ, our mediator. And so we have the right to approach the throne of God the Father in prayer through Christ, the mediator. We can invoke his name. We can, uh, we come, he, he represents us there. Yeah, this is so. the nature of sonship. So he, you know, we have the right to be called sons of God, according to John, mm-hmm. Gospel of John. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. So that is something that comes with being a son, Mm -hmm. is you get the name of the father. Mm -hmm. You get inheritance. So it's legitimate to say that we have been given Christ's holy name Mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, part of that, that's what being a Christian is, right? Little Christ. Um, But also just in terms of, of our being co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted fully as sons. Christ is our brother as well. In addition, we have this idea that we have been given oh, yeah. the scepter of power and strength. And, and what is that? It's a good question, because there are images of scepters throughout the Bible where the Messiah is going to rule with a rod of iron. Mm-hmm. Um, monarchs wield scepters, uh, not as weapons, but as symbols of their power. And in Second Timothy, we have this assurance that the Christian actually does rule, in a sense, with mm-hmm. Christ. So, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Mm-hmm. So, we have God-given authority as his regents, in a sense, mm-hmm. um, over the world around us, and, and also the responsibility that comes with that reigning. Mm-hmm. I, I am, again, like I said with the first one, I have some misgivings uh, because I don't I don't wield the rod of power, the scepter of power and strength that that, that Christ holds, sure. right? In in a very literal sense. That's, that's yeah, his sure. authority and not mine. Like, yeah. he is the king of the universe. Right. I am not. Right. But we, we do get rights as Christians, and you've mentioned the rights that come with being an heir Mm -hmm. and a son of God, and there are also our rights that come with being one who rules with Christ, and so I think this is fine. We're the son of a king. Yeah. So, you know. Royalty. Yeah, absolutely. There's rule and responsibility that comes with that. There's nothing you cannot change, and there's no bondage you cannot break. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. Earlier, we saw that there is nothing that God cannot do. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a a reiteration of that sentiment. There's nothing that He cannot change. So things that are that we will make different, and there's no bondage that He cannot break. And so we see this uh, surprisingly often in Christian music. This I- image of liberation from bondage, mm-hmm. and if, as we have posited, the Exodus from Egypt is meant to be an uh, undercurrent in this song. We can we can take the sentiment that there is no bondage that you cannot break as uh, meant to recall to us Israelites being let out. But there are other kinds of bondage yeah, too, sure. and uh, there's bondage to sin, right? So uh, I mentioned earlier Hebrews 9, um, the blood of Jesus will pu- purify our conscience from dead mm-hmm. works to serve the living God. Mm -hmm. That is a kind of liberation from bondage where we were dead Mm -hmm. in sin. We were slaves to sin and God has purified us, uh, justified us, is sanctifying us. And now uh, we are freed from that bondage to service of Mm -hmm. God. Is that what you think is meant here? Yeah. You think think it's liberation from slavery to sin? It's not fleshed out clearly. Yeah, but, I, th- I think if we take it in line with what was said earlier about overcoming by Christ's blood and being acquitted, I think it's, yeah, this bondage of death that we owed 
from for for our sin and for our unrighteousness and that we've been freed of mm-hmm. i i think i would guess now to be fair he doesn't directly say the word sin but the idea of being discharged and acquitted suggests that there was there were charges against us as it were So, Tyler, you said earlier that you've actually translated the chant. So I didn't even think about this, but there's about a minute or two. is a good chunk of the song. It's got some chanting in it. So you have gotten a translation for these chants. Yes, I have not translated them. Someone put this on YouTube. Okay. It's, it's a YouTube comment. So treat it with some respect, Yeah. but, but not... It's it's not the same thing as getting the official lyrics yeah. from from the author. And well, that way, I don't think we need to evaluate the chant yeah. necessarily. But it would be interesting to know what is supposedly said at the very least. Yes. And so this is what is supposedly said. And I will not try and pronounce it. I'll just read the translation. God of the universe, O Lord our God, how excellent is your name. God of earth, God of heaven, God's kingdom is established in the earth. Great warrior who can change appointment with death lord and king of the universe almighty gigantic indescribable god fearful to be praised you are mighty big god doing great things great worker of good greatly to be praised and great is your name the greatest the almighty royal king dependable our defense worthy to live with worthy of being followed the fire of god is burning you are great O god Be exalted, God of the universe. You are mighty, savior, rescuer, the healer, God that is capable of healing, king you cannot hold, God that has no beginning or end, the powerful one who destroys every pharaoh, authoritative force, powerful God, warrior of heaven, greatly to be praised, and great is your name. Wow. Okay, I don't disagree with any of that. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and if that if that was somewhat extemporaneous, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, just beautiful. Yeah. We could probably talk about each of those for yeah. uh, you know five minutes, but um, just interesting to know what is supposedly said there, and it sounds like very, very good, even original. Yeah. Uh, well, there are there are there's references to Psalms in there for sure. Yes, obviously. Psalm eight, a few others in there. But things like hear. authoritative force. Yeah. Like, this is a fascinating idea. These are not words that I've ever seen yeah. pushed together before. What was it? King you cannot hold? King you cannot hold, right? <laughs> so, yeah, obviously we can hold, we can touch Christ's uh, yeah. physical body, you know, if he comes again right now or yeah. in uh, after the second coming, after the resurrection. But, yeah, uh, uh, a God who, so God the Father is not made of matter yeah. in the way that we are but also like maybe cannot hold in the sense like unlimited oh like, yeah you know like unlimited king he, he you cannot put unbound him in, you know yeah. yeah cannot put god in a box as yeah right yeah. wow that's cool i'm glad that you provided that or who i'm glad that someone on youtube provided it and you youtube's no... you you the user's name was o bori so thank okay. you o bori if you ever hear this yeah thank you. <laughs> okay so do you have some any concluding thoughts tyler about this song this is a song that tries 
and I think successfully to give form to ideas that are bigger than humans and does it well, in my opinion. What about you? I think it's pretty clear. It's got good substance, especially if you think of it as, you know, not necessarily, you know, we're evaluating in this series songs that are being sung in the church and not in the church, songs that would come on the radio and songs that wouldn't. I mean, if we think about that context for evaluating this, it it's it's pretty good. I mean, plenty of substance. There's definitely some areas where it could be more specific. There are some areas where the um, the language could be slightly more precise. But it's hard to fault a song for being vague in places where part of the argument of the song is it's kind of hard to capture. And there are places, too, where the song doesn't just leave the vagueness there. It It gives some kind of concrete example and typically an example that comes from God's word or kind of comes from the gospel. So there's some things that I think the song could have done a bit more precisely or a bit more clearly, but on the whole, um, this is a song that's pretty rich in allusions to scripture um, and that are, it's fairly clear, I think too. And uh, yeah, I, I have not many, I have no substantive concerns about the song. I'll put it that way. Yeah, this is a song where you might come across something that causes you to scratch your head a little bit, but it's not something that is a stumbling block no, no, no. to worship or anything no. like that. You just kind of have to you just kind of have to work it out a second and then typically when you do that you're like, "Okay, okay, I see where I see where this is going or I see what's happening here." Okay. So Tyler, what did you give the song for a rating? Let me just say, I am rating this song as if it were on the radio. Sure. So, like, does it fit on the radio? I'm not saying necessarily. Yeah, we're not any... rating it against worship songs or hymns. This is no. purely about what's tracking. It's like, if I have to have of... stuff on the radio, can it be good stuff, right? Yeah. Like, that's right. the idea. And so I would give this a five out of right. five solo breaks. <laughs> because <laughs> sure. as, as I opened, I, a few minutes in, I heard a guitar solo, and I thought, oh, that's a nice guitar solo. Mm-hmm. And then later, there's a trumpet solo, and yeah. I thought, oh, that's a nice trumpet solo. And then kind of the final third of the song yeah. is uh, a a spoke a sung and spoken solo. Yeah. So I thought, okay, three solo breaks. Not bad, not bad. Yep. Okay. What about you, Colin? I gave it four out of five imposters. Now, this reference is a little bit hard to get, but like you, I perused the YouTube comments. And I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> yes, please but explain. The very, the very first comment is Nathaniel Bassey. Saying, by the way, there's an imposter in the comments asking for money in my name. It's not me. Don't don't send the money or something. He says something along these lines. So I guess you know this this video is being watched by lots of people, and so some you know some Nigerian gets it in his head, or maybe not a Nigerian. We don't know. Probably um, Russian. Right. Yeah. Russian bots. Whatever. Um, gets it in his head, and he's like, hey. Maybe if I pretend to be this guy, um, I can get some money out of these people. And so maybe it was working, and Nathaniel Bassey had to say, hold on a second. And by the way, let me just notice, the other thing that I found quite authentic, or that seemed to inspire me to see his what he's doing as somewhat authentic, is I never saw any pleas for cash. Oh, um, yeah. That, it might be the case that he has those, and it's not illegitimate to ask for support by any stretch, but... Um, I just I just never saw that. I just never saw him asking for money. Right. Um in any of these uh hallelujah 
things uh, or, or any of the other videos that I saw from him. So very good. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week to the worship review next week. We will be doing the top song from the country that is fourth highest amongst our listenership. Until then, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.